Welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trade and into the new trading session where we take the pulse of the financial markets, assessing the key themes, the views, the flows, the movers and shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets and risk. Open Outcry is, of course, an antiquated relic of the financial system. It is fitting to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your host, Mr. Scott Redford, Pepperstone's head of product and senior member of the Flowdesk, and myself, Chris Weston, head of research here at Pepperstone. Let's get to it, Mr. Redford. Um, Cricket World Cup, Arsenal, top of the league. I think we play Wolves on the weekend. Uh, England losing to the Argentinians uh, on the weekend at cricket. It's all going on, isn't it? It's all going on. It's all going on, mate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not the biggest T20 fan in general, but I've really been enjoying the World Cup. Um, what about the Saffirs on the weekend? I don't know if you call it a choke. They're known for, it's probably cruel. They're known for that. They're on the big comps, aren't they? And uh, they went down to the bloody Netherlands. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? And, Who would have thought? But uh, yeah, setting up. Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the go then? England have got India in the next round. Uh, New Zealand play Pakistan. Are we looking for a New Zealand-India final? Or do you think the, uh, the Poms can get it done? I think we'll see uh, New Zealand, England in the league, and we'll see New Zealand, England in the cricket, mate. That's that's my call. Oi, it's a double double. double. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm down there in Adelaide this week to to catch the India England game on oh, Thursday wow. night. So um, that'll be a big event as the yeah. Indian cricket game is, of course. Did you see so, yeah. talking staying on the Argentinian theme? Did you see Boca playing against Racing on the weekend? Did you hear about that game? No, what happened there, mate? Well, <laughs> so it all, it all turned into a bit of a shambles, to be honest. And I think they had uh, 10 players were sent off in the game. Rules stipulate oh, that once you get seven players, you can't play with less than seven players. And I think seven Boca players were dismissed, including two from the bench. Uh, and I think there was a, 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 some guy called Carlos Alvarez scored a 118th minute winner, effectively. And everyone surrounded him and and threw the ball at him multiple times. Grabbing grabbing him by the ears, the article says. But uh, By the yeah. ears, that's by an odd fashion. <laughs> <laughs> it's now Maradona would have done it back in the day. But uh, yeah, seven, <laughs> yeah. 10 players sent off in a game. Yeah, I reckon that would have been uh, one for, one to watch from the sidelines, I would have thought. <laughs> one that caught my eye last week, Charlton Athletic, who I follow a bit, versus Ipswich Town, full-time, 2-2. Two, two, sorry, 90 minutes, 2-2. Two, two. Full-time, 4-4. Four, four. four goals in uh, five minutes at a time. How about that? Wow, hockey scores. Hockey scores is... Uh... I can't remember who said uh, it might have been Lourinho back in the day. But um, yeah, interesting. We're still, obviously, the sun's out today. Good to see up in uh, in, in sunny Gisborne here. Um, we're still, still, still seeing moment. people driving past the block and and having a look at the uh, the man who overpaid massively for that for that for that block <laughs> to see if he's got a bit of buyer's remorse on that one. I would have thought, but uh, we'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, it must be exciting times in Gisborne. It must be all the talk down at the local milk bar. I imagine what the word is on that. You know, surprising we don't actually have a milk bar. Maybe there's maybe a gap in the market there. but uh, I guess you've all got your own cows, so you don't need a milk bar. <laughs> cows <laughs> and goats. So. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, all right, let's have a look at the markets. Let's go around the grounds. Um, relatively dull session in the US to kick off the week. General strength, nonetheless. Um, Dow finished up 1.3%. NASDAQ up almost 1%. Uh, European markets started on weaker footing, but most recovered to see mild gains on the day. DAX up 0.6%. FTSE, however, ending in the red, down half a percent. Um, in Asia, the swings continue, particularly, of course, in China. 
and related markets as COVID zero policy is scrutinized and speculated upon. Um, Hang Seng finished up 2.7% after a much weaker start. Some amazing moves there. Was that a bit, of a, was that a, bit of a Freudian slip? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> what did I say? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll listen to the recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll send it to my therapist and see what they make of it. Um, a quick dig into the sectors where we see communication services up the top. Um, that's led by Facebook, aka Meta, up 7%, uh, bucking its recent trend. Utilities at the other end, giving back some of their recent gains. Uh, to FX, a weaker dollar across the board. Uh, talk of hedges unwound. We'll t- chat on that later. Um, Sterling, though, the standout among the majors. Cable up 1.2%. Lastly, commodities, weakness in energies, as we touched upon, crude off almost a percent after a strong finish to last week. Um, and base metal was worth a look, I think. LME, copper, up about 7%. Uh, rates and bonds, mate, over to you. We've got uh, two-year treasuries, obviously, a reflection if people want to have a look at short-term rate expectations, 472, up six basis points in the day. Yeah, yields are generally higher across the, the treasury curve. You've got 10-year treasuries trading 421. I always look at uh, real rates, no real change there. Um, this is the real cost of capital. We've got five-year real rates trading 170. Um, we can go into interest rates. Um and I think what's also, what's, what's also been a really key driver of, of, of dollar-yen and, and the dollar more broadly um, has been the, the so-called terminal rate, which is the highest pricing, highest point of pricing that we have in the Fed Fund's future, which is a tradable interest rate market there. And that sits now at, at 513. So 5.13% is where the Fed Funds is expected to get. So if that was to push a little bit higher and, you know, so let's go into, say, 525 um, I think that might start weighing into this kind of equity melt-up story, which is really all the rage at the moment. Everyone's talking about that. Um, mm. You know, if we go into um, other areas, I'm just bringing it up. So the next, I'm just going to the next meeting. So the 14th of December is the next Fed meeting. Uh, that's trading 4.42. So the market's pricing 59 basis points of hikes there. So that's effectively sort of trading this step down um, anecdote that everyone was focused on. The next RBA meeting is on the 6th of December. Nice present for y'all out there. 22 basis points of hikes expected for that meeting. Uh, we've got the Bank of England meeting next on the 15th of December. 64 basis points expected there. And the next ECB meeting on the 15th of December. So it's going to be a pretty lively meeting. Again, market's expecting uh, somewhere between 50 and 70 basis points. Uh, big moves coming again in the UK gilt market. That's maybe maybe supporting the pound. It was the outperformer, as you rightly say. Uh, we saw two-year gilts up about 16 basis points, which is probably one of the bigger moves. Um, and then 10-year gilts up 10 basis points. So that is your wrap for rates. Beautiful, mate. And let's uh, go a little bit further and have a look. What's behind the moves? Um, first thing we can touch on is, as mentioned, um, some dollar selling overnight. Why are we seeing that? Is it hedges being unwound? Are investors seeing a better place now um, to park their money? Yeah, I mean, it's all the talk, isn't it? Has the dollar has dollar peaked? You know, has it? Have we started to put into this so-called distribution? Are we? Are we? Are we finding? Um, you know, a sideways choppy market. I mean, we, we, we put a high in the dollar index on the 28th of September. We made a lower high on the 14th of October. Again, you know, 21st of October. And then, you know, we, we saw another lower high on the 3rd of November. So, you know, we, we, we've been trying to push higher. You know, interest rates are sort of still supportive. Um, but the market's been making these kind of series of, of 
you know, lower highs effectively. Um, uh, so it's just really not being able to establish a new high. And I think that's that's quite fitting. We're sort of oscillating around the 50-day moving average, which has been an excellent trend filter since February. I, I think, you know, you go back to the old um, US dollar smile theory, Scott. I'm not sure if, if you're you know too familiar with that, but, you know, the US dollar's benefited from the fact that we've seen on the right-hand side of the, the smile, US dollar, um, US exceptionalism has been the best place to be. Uh, on the right hand, on the left hand side, it's you know it's been a hedge against equity drawdown and also you know global growth deterioration. So it's worked beautifully from both those sort of those situations. But I think that 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 exceptionalism story has been called into place, you know, and you know people have been focused on a reopening in China. We can talk a little bit more about that. Um, European nat gas prices have been absolutely smoked about 50-60% since those mm. August highs. I think that that's quite supportive in itself. Um, you know, we've seen developments in the UK which you know, are, are, are not good, but they've, they've avoided a bad situation. Um, so I think really China, uh, as we sort of live in the future and anticipate a reopening, it's going to happen. Um, and also a less bad situation in Europe has 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 sort of played into this idea that, that other places are starting to look a little bit better on a relative basis. European equity markets are flying at the moment. Um, so I think all of those 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 factors are definitely um, playing in there. And I think also, you know, if you look at corporate America, we've seen some some big job layoffs coming through. So this kind of papoos or removes the sort of exceptional story in the US. Um, so, you know, we've seen Meta announcing job cuts. You know, a number of big multinationals have as well. Uh, mm. Apple came out yesterday and said that they're, you know, cutting back on about 3 million iPhones because of demand. So this idea of, of the US being the exceptional story has been pulled back. And I think that, you know, dollar sellers have come in. Uh, and I think the other thing is as well, the equity market's having this, this nice melt-up. So the, the need to have... Um, yeah, US dollar hedges, which has been the best place to to hedge, is the US dollar has, has been removed. So that's really sort of where I'm looking at. So I think that that right hand side of the the smile sort of come into coming into fruition and and being called into question. How are you seeing the dollar, Scott? And and ultimately, what are where's the net positioning now? And clients are they are they you know probably trading this one? I'm guessing they're probably trading this one from the long side, given that it's come down a bit, and people are probably trying to be, maybe catch the bottom on this. What are you seeing? Yeah, no, you're spot on, mate. We, I mean, it's a pretty even split if we look down the list, you know, euro, dollar, 50-50, close enough, cable, 50-50. But overall, if we take a bigger picture, clients are um, long dollar, looking for a bit of a bounce this week, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, as you say, it seems like everything we talk about at the moment comes back to um, China reopening to an extent is the overarching story at the moment. And, um, and let's touch on Chinese markets in particular. I mean, we saw markets flying last week on reopening rumours, mm. easing of the COVID zero policy. That rumour seemingly shut down over the weekend. So I, for one, expected uh, markets to give back, you know, a reasonable amount of those gains, which they did on the open, but very quickly. Um, yeah. The moves were retraced. What's that about? Well, mate, I think you. I, I think you. It's a case of uh, Redford got the blinkers on, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think there's just so many stories. There's just such a a wide range of issues about you know, the Germans coming out and saying that the that there's various um, drugs which are going to be, you know. Uh, Vaccines which are going to be rolled out to, to foreigners in China. Um, there's changes to the yeah, the way that people can come into the country now in terms of 
um, isolations and, and, and various factors. So it's not just about the, just the reopening story. When's that going to happen? Is it going to be staggered? Is it going to take place after the two sessions um, period in, in, in March? But there's just so many different um, different stories that have come through that that have that have made us believe that they are gearing the market at some stage for a reopening. You know, it's not going to happen straight away as everyone's sort of making out. It's not going to be this broad-based binary announcement that's going to happen this week. Um, but yeah, the markets live in the future, and you know we're we're starting to try and understand. Yeah, you know, you've worked in this industry for for long enough, Scott. We. We, we, we know it's going to happen. Eventually, it's going to happen. The question is, is when do we start putting on the trade? When do we start covering these you know, China shorts? When do we actually have the conviction to say, right, now's the time to start expressing this view of a reopening? We know a reopening is a game changer. You know, it's going to reduce supply chains or ease supply chain issues, which in some ways is deflationary. It's going to ramp up demand. But when do we put this trade on? And that's what we're always just looking for, that conviction trade. So I just think there's just been so many different articles. We've seen one in the Wall Street journal today that suggests perhaps the markets had enough conviction to say, well, it's not going to happen today. And yeah, they, they can push back against it over the weekend because the case count's still really high. Um, but do you not feel do you not feel that the market, the price action we saw yesterday in the Hang Seng, is the market saying, well, now we've got a bit more conviction, it's going to happen. And, and yeah, we, we don't live in the here and now. We live, you know, nine, 12 months yeah, ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're right. It is too simplistic the way I summed it up, of course. But, you, you know, it's not as simple as saying, no. um, here's a bit of news. The news is refuted. So let's go back to where we started. You know, the mm. news is enough. And and I, th- I guess you're talking about the sort of Rachel Hunter, Pantene Pro-V area. <laughs> and you, uh, I and, uh, I'm not sure about that one. Go on, tell me about that. That one from the 90s? Or, well, the slogan there was, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Yeah, and um, that that seems. Do you think that accurately sums up what you're talking? I think about? that's yeah. We call I it the Rachel Hunter, the Rachel Hunter, Rachel Hunter. Is it Rachel Rachel Hunter? Uh, Rachel affair. Hunter, yeah, yeah. So, didn't she go with? Yeah. Um, she went out of Rod Stewart, didn't she? She was married. Yeah, yeah. married to Rod for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think I'm sexy? Is one of, one, of your, one of your classics? One of your karaoke numbers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that and Green Green Grass at Home by Tom Jones. That's what I normally start oh, with. Okay. Anyway, let's move on. Um, crude oil, um, a, a small pullback overnight. Um, general strength, though, um, of late is the um, again, China reopening a big factor there. Um, seeing you know, are we looking for increased demand on the back of that? There's a whole sort of raft of, of factors playing through. Um, but I think, I mean, ultimately, um, you can look at um, the special drawing, uh, special uh, petroleum facility, um, SPRs, we say, um, that's going to worn off a little bit. Um, if China was to reopen, you know, we're talking about extra, you know, better demand coming back in. Um, yeah, we can talk about inventories and, and various factors as well. But generally speaking, uh, and I suppose you can you can also talk about Iran, the, the news flow is all very much there. But I think the demand story is the one that the market caught on to. I think if you look at the technicals on crude, spot crude, that is, um, yeah, we, we came up into the 6th of October highs around sort of 93.50 um, yeah, yesterday or the day before. Then we sort of sold off into that level. We're still in a rising trend. You can see the series of, of higher highs that have been put in place since the 18th of October. But we're just testing that level. So, I mean, if you look at the sort of the broad picture, the daily chart of crude at the moment, yeah, there's really strong resistance into sort of 9360, that kind of area. I think we need to break that. And obviously, then, yeah, it puts the, the chance of getting up to 100 bucks a barrel in place. So maybe we get that from the inventory report comes out tomorrow. Uh, maybe it's, yeah, Rio, see what happens if, if, if we would see dollar 
CNH, you know, roll over and go lower. Maybe that pushes it up. Chinese equity markets moving higher. Maybe crude then goes for a bit of a ride. We'll have to, you know, watch what happens with uh, CPI in, in the, you know tomorrow. But um, yeah, I think that's a really big level. The question is, um, I'm going to throw it to you twofold. It's one, one Scott. How is how are clients seeing it at these key levels? I know that a lot of people like to lean into, you know, and, and short into into big resistance levels. But um, yeah, so that's one question. And the second thing is, if we were to get a break higher, yeah, is that positive or negative for uh, for risk assets stocks? Should we say? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, on on the first one, in short, clients are actually long at this stage. It's oh, sort okay. of a, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I would have yeah. thought, you know, they, they usually when you get into these big levels, you, you do tend to see a, a bit of a skew, don't you, towards people you looking to fade into those levels. You're right. You're right. You, def- you definitely do. But maybe um, they think this one's real. This is the real move this time. And, you know, it's 65% long. So that sort of number on um, WTI, Brent, yeah. even NatGas. Um and yeah, is it a positive for risk assets? That's an interesting one. I mean, based on you know the if we're saying demand factors are the primary reason behind the move up, then in theory that should be a positive, shouldn't it? Mm, but should yeah. In reality, what does that actually mean? Yeah, that's a good question. No, it's a good point you you raise. I mean, if, if crude goes up because they're cutting supply, that's usually a better, that's a sign that they're trying to bring it down to equilibrium with demand. But you know, if the perception of demand is increasing because of China reopening, then then I, I guess that you could probably you know, net the two off, better demand, better global growth. Um, That's got to be positive, doesn't it? Yeah. In some ways, yeah. I mean, obviously, you can go and have a look at the XOP, the XLF. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing quite well. I think they look quite attractive at the moment. Um, my view and, and is, yeah, I'd, I'd probably always trade the underlying. So, you know, the spot crude, I think, is probably the best one. Purest way, probably. Yeah, obviously, you get longer trading hours. You can get in and out of positions a little bit easier in, in that situation. Is that how you see it? Yeah, are you starting to see a lot of traders from your our generation? You know, saying, um, you know, tech's over. Let's get out of tech. Let's get back into the old-fashioned um, sort of bricks and mortar industries, energy, gas. You know, that sort of old thing. school, uh, old school. Get, yeah, get your hands dirty. Of that, real, yeah, that's real right. Something you can touch. Yeah. Um, lastly, mate, in this section, what's behind the moves? Midterms ahead. Um, is is are they are we going to see volatility on the back of them? And if so, what are the markets to watch? Oh, there's some stock specific issues, but yeah, I guess you've got to look at rates markets. Um, the the way I see this is is one. I mean, first of all, let's look at the timings. Are we going to get an actual result tonight, um, or are we going to have to wait? Um, you know, till the end of the week, because there's going to be a lot of mail votes that, that still need to come in and they, they might not even be counted until the ballot's closed. So we may not get a firm result until the end of the week. Um, there's mm-hmm. going to be so many different tight races. But I, I think, you know, from that perspective, a market's always want to have an instant result, you know, like a non-farm payroll, something comes out, bang, we can instantly price it in. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So that makes trading the payrolls, uh, sorry, the midterms very difficult. Um, the second point is 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 ultimately how will, you know what are the key agendas and therefore will it affect markets? For me, one of the ways to think about this is 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 the US is is looking like it's going into recession. It's not a, a guaranteed situation, but like you know we we, we may get a recession and, and and we don't know if it's going to be prolonged or you know very mild. But it may need it may it may need fiscal support from the government and. If we were to see um, the Republicans getting the House, which looks very, very likely indeed, um, 
and the Senate, which is where the betting markets are saying that they're going to control both chambers of Congress, and of course, Biden's Mm -hmm. not going nowhere, then Biden will want to have a fiscal stimulus plan um, available to support, you know, for a recession. But, you know, there's no way in the world he's going to get that through Congress with with, um, the Republicans blocking that one straight away. Um, so I don't. It feels like you know you're not going to get much fiscal support. The other other scenario, which is is, is possible, is that we get um, the the Republicans controlling the House and the Democrats controlling or maintaining control in in the Senate. Again, that just means there's going to be no. There's just going to be gridlock because the, the the Republicans would just block everything um, that that's proposed by the president through the House. So I think fiscal is is limited. Where of course it becomes you, you could get a big gyration in markets was was if the if the bookies and, and the betting markets were completely wrong, and that the Democrats control both uh, you know not just control both chambers of Congress where they do at the moment, but actually build on that lead, um, which could feasibly happen. You know we've seen. Um, polls very wrong before. Um, then I think in that situation, the ability to pass fiscal support should they need it, um, which is going to be deficit um, spent and effectively increase the deficit, which could have increased government bond issuance, which would effectively mean bond yields go higher, a higher terminal rate. That could be very dollar positive from that perspective. And that could cause some gyrations. The other factor is if we were to see um, you know, the Republicans in Congress, then the debt ceiling becomes an issue next year. Now, they've yeah, the, the government has about half a billion, sorry, half a trillion US dollars to play around with at the moment. And yeah, you know, once they exhaust that, they can they can go through these kind of you know, special measures to push through. So it probably won't even become an issue until the second half of next year. But yeah, you know, the debt ceiling could be uh, an issue next year at some stage. Maybe it's not something we'd express now. We come back to the Rachel Hunter situation because it's you know it's potentially <laughs> going to happen. But it, so I think from debt ceiling, um, yeah, there could be some issues further down the line. Uh, so my playbook is is that yeah, unless we were to see the Democrats surprise and, and win both chambers and maintain both chambers, then there's not much on the fiscal side that can get through. The debt ceiling could become an issue, but it's not something to worry about now. There could be some changes in foreign relations and and, and oil as well. But mm. yeah, none of them are going to cause major gyrations. So I, I think this is going to be a really you know, great affair to watch just to give us a sense of how things are shaping up for 2024, which could be a volatility event. But on the face of it, it doesn't feel like a, a volatility event for me. Are you, are you are you seeing much different on that? No, no, I completely agree. I mean, no doubt there'll be some stock specific moves. Correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm having a quick look on on Betfair here, and um, you're right. I mean, of course, you're right. The the, the odds for the house dollar ten overwhelming favourites, almost unbackable favourites. The Republicans a bit tighter in the Senate dollar fifty favourites. You get twelve bucks for the Democrats there. Um, so like you say, a massive surprise according to the bookies, but we're all a bit wary yeah. um after, you know, Brexit and twenty sixteen, aren't we, with these things now? So yeah. Um yeah, looking ahead, aside from the midterms, the session, the speakers I'm seeing from uh Bank of England, ECB, the Fed, um, even the BOJ, any of those you think um uh, worth worth looking out for? Uh, summary of opinions in Japan might get a look in, but I don't think it's going to move markets. To be honest, I still think that, that, that this isn't the time for me to be doing much. So no, I think the midterms will get get a look in. Yeah, it's going to be sort of people in Twitter are going to be focused on it very closely. Um, yeah, I think there's not really too much to worry about in that session. NAB business confidence, uh, Westpac, yeah, I could get, but I think that's probably good depending on the outcome for eight to 10 ticks in the Aussie dollar. So not really looking at that. Again, it's going to be watching the tape in China today. Let's see what happens there. We've got uh, CPI numbers tomorrow. 
Um, but again, yeah, the marquee event for the week is going to be the uh, the US CPI number, which comes up on uh, later this week. And on the 11th at half past 12, the market's looking there for the core number to come down to 6.5% from 6.6. And that's a number you really want to look at. Headline down to 7.9% from 8.2%. So I think that's what we're still really gearing up for. So I'm not really too concerned about any of that event risk, Scott. No. Mm. Excellent, mate. And what, what's the market that you want to chat about today that you're looking at? Oh, look, I still, I, I still, you know, dollar CNH is, is really key for the FX markets. I mean, euro above one, above parity. You know, we, I imagine we're seeing some good interest and in, in people look to short above those levels. Um, but yeah, I think this is a dollar move and and, and you can't really necessarily fight that. I, I can't go past the Hang Seng. I mean, I, I I think we're seeing we're, there, there is a clear evidence that we are seeing a melt up in global equities, which is a bit of a pain trade to some. Um, mm. And you know, I think um, given the reopening trade, um, given what we've been seeing in terms of volatility, range expansion, um, yeah, I've got my immediate uh, eye on the uh, the Hang Seng. I think if we, yeah, I'd be probably. Yeah, buy stop orders above sort of sixteen thousand seven hundred and seventy, which was you know the highs we saw yesterday. I think if we get a break above that, then then you want to trade okay. the momentum and, and and ride that one higher. So that's what I I'm had looking some, for. Uh, had some um, footage through from the Hong Kong Sevens over the weekend, and you know what? It didn't look like a sellout. It looked like people were having a good time there. So if that's a leading indicator, then mate, um, you're on the money there, and no doubt I, you got some. Happy, I lost about five years, five years sitting in that southern stand <laughs> <laughs> a number of years ago. I I, 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 I can never go back to that place. It breaks me just even thinking about it. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up, mate. Yeah, I could hear you shuddering as a mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I'm I'm having a look at. Um, Tesla and sorry if I'm repeating. Oh yes, I Tesla. I saw before, that this morning. Yeah, I mean it's um, it seems like it's it's sort of broken away from being um, what was seemingly a, a, almost a pure risk indicator for yeah. a while there, if that's the right phrase to use. Correct. Yeah. Um, whereas today it's down almost five percent on the day. Um, whereas the the broader market, of course, has been fairly stable and a bit stronger. Mm. Um, so that would that would have been unheard of. Um, you know, recently. It's just a Musk um, play, though, isn't it? It's like Musk. Well, is it? That's on, my question. Yeah, it's, Musk focus on his uh, on his eight dollar uh, blue tick and and sort of seemingly making up policy on the fly. Um, people yeah, saying, well, you know, the talisman that is, you know, a, a musk at Twitter seems to be, a, a Tesla seems to be dissipating. People are giving up as he spends more time on the four other projects that he's got. Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it's like they're saying, if he's running this company in such a tempestuous sort of knee-jerk right, well, way, what, what's going on behind doors at these other companies that he's running and should we be pulling some of our money out? Is it as simple as that? Mm. Uh, no, I think but, so. But it, yeah, I mean, it looks... It looks pretty dark, doesn't it? So, yeah, I, I think you know, for me, when I look at that pattern um, and and the, and the structure of the of Tesla, the, you know, I'm either out of the position or I'm short, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be trading that from the long side. What are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I've been a little bit like that for a while, but um, yeah, it's hard to hard to see how you stay long and strong in Tesla. But although some people are probably still running a massive profit on. Where they got in, so they'd yeah. be more inclined to, to hold. Talking them. about uh, talking about long and strong. Let's uh, let's hear your fact of the day today. Fact of the day, mate. Um, you may have heard this. Every time a Philadelphia baseball team has won the World Series, a recession has followed in the US. They won in 1910, 1911, 1929. They won 1980, and most recently 2008. Um, the Houston Astros took it home over the weekend. So does that mean we're in the clear? Maybe. Oh, that's actually a really good fact. Um, 
I'd like to know when when Philly uh, when there was a recession, what the markets did during that time as well. See what they uh, so maybe you can come back with that with with some quants as well to to fill us in on a chart. Yeah, yeah, see it on a chart, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And what about Mattress Mac over there winning the biggest ever sports bet? He took home seventy five mil on the Houston Astros. You see that? Was he the guy who um, won the the block? Oh, was that Mattress Mac as well, was it? Shit, it gets real. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's wrap it up today. We'll, uh, we'll be back, back more for later in the week with um, Open Outcry. Well, thank you for joining us and we'll see you back then. See you, Scott. Cheers, Chris. All the best.